Our gospel reading today comes from Matthew's gospel. I'm reading from the fourth chapter, verses 1 through 11. You can find it on page 1172 in your pew Bible. And I invite you to listen for what God has to say to you today. Then the Spirit led Jesus up into the wilderness so that the devil might tempt him. After Jesus had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he was starving. The tempter came to him and said, Since you are God's son, command these stones to become bread. Jesus replied, It's written, People won't live only by bread, but by every word spoken by God. After that, the devil brought him into the holy city and stood him at the highest point of the temple. He said to him, Since you are God's son, throw yourself down, for it is written, I will command my angels concerning you, and they will take you up in their hands so that you won't hit your foot on a stone. Jesus replied, Again, it's written, Don't test the Lord your God. Then the devil brought him to a very high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. He said, I'll give you all these if you bow down and worship me. Jesus responded, go away, Satan, because it's written, you will worship the Lord your God and serve only him. The devil left him, and angels came and took care of him. God always blesses the reading and the hearing of God's holy word. Nicholas Epley is a professor of behavioral science at the University of Chicago Booth School of Business, and he studies what's called communication closeness bias. Communication closeness bias. And that is this. The closer we feel toward someone, the less likely we are to listen carefully to them. Let me, let me just repeat that. The closer we feel toward someone, the less likely we are to listen carefully to them. So I won't ask for a show of hands. But have you ever uttered the words to a loved one, You don't listen to me! Have you ever felt your eyes glaze over right after asking your loved one, how was your day? Have you ever exasperatedly said to a loved one, I've already told you that a thousand times. Now, I'm seeing some knowing smiles, some nodding heads, partners glancing at one another. It's like these old tired jokes. A spouse says, my wife constantly complains that I never listen to her, or something like that. <laughs> or this one. A wife says to her husband, I lost my keys again. The husband says, it's in your jeans. The wife says, don't drag my family into this. <laughs> but communication, closeness, bias doesn't just happen between romantic partners. It can happen in any relationship, 
in which we assume that we know the other person so well that we already know what they're going to say or how they feel. It can happen between friends, it can happen between parents and children, it can happen between anybody we are closely connected with. So Nicholas Epley, the professor I mentioned earlier, were you listening, um, writes about his own experience with communication closeness bias in a recent New York Times article entitled, You're Not Listening, Here's Why. He writes, he gave his wife what he thought was the perfect gift, a behind-the-scenes tour of the Shedd Aquarium in Chicago during which she would get to feed the dolphins, beluga whales, and penguins, he thought she'd love it because she'd once expressed interest in swimming with the dolphins. But she didn't love it at all. She was annoyed because she was pregnant at the time and suffering from morning sickness. Just the thought of touching a dead fish made her want to vomit. I didn't stop to think, he said, is this the right gift given where my wife is in, now in her life? I really haven't been listening well enough to know where she was, Dr. Epley said. We all develop stereotypes of the people we know well, and those stereotypes lead us to make mistakes. So this year, our Lenten theme is seeking honest questions for deeper faith. Throughout this season, we'll hear the stories of our faith ancestors who asked questions about themselves and about God as they lived out their faith journeys, all of them seeking something or someone. And our, our worship liturgy, the art and the atrium, the questions we have on social media, the Lenten devotionals, they all reflect this theme and invite us to ask questions about what each of us is seeking. It's not just our faith ancestors who were seeking after something. We do too. Isn't there something right now, right now, that you are seeking? Connection with others. Clarity about a, a big decision. A new path to travel. In seeking, questions always arise. Who am I really? Where do I fit in? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? How do I live faithfully? These are existential questions. And the answers to them aren't simple or static. The answers change. Who you were 25 years ago isn't who you are to be now. The community you hung out with when you were 15 probably isn't the same community you need now. The answers change throughout our lives because we change throughout our lives. And there are plenty of voices who would like to help answer those big questions. We hear them daily on TV and radios. They speak on social media platforms, well-meaning family and friends want to weigh in and give their opinions as to what the answer should be. And God can certainly speak to us through the people around us. But if we listen to voices that don't seek the good, or that don't have love, 
we can unwittingly find ourselves on a path we never intended to travel. So by chapter 3 of Genesis, communication closeness bias is already evident. And the snake uses it to his benefit. He asks this question of the woman, Did God really say that you shouldn't eat from any tree in the garden? The woman answers the snake's crafty question correctly and incorrectly. She's right to say that God allowed them to eat of the garden's trees except for the tree of knowledge of good and evil, but she misquotes God. She adds a second prohibition to God's original command. God never said that she and her husband couldn't touch the tree. God just said that they couldn't eat of it. So immediately questions abound. Going back a little bit in chapter 2 of Genesis, the woman hadn't been created yet. Only the man hears God's command about which trees to eat from. So when the woman misquotes God's command, did she fail to listen to her mate who told her later what God commanded? Or did the man not listen closely to God when God originally gave the command? Well, the story doesn't give any answers. But whether it was the man who didn't listen closely to God or it was the woman who didn't listen closely to the man, it's clear from the story that they both began to question the authority of, of another instead of, of God. The snake's voice became louder in their ears than God's. And in listening and obeying the snake's voice, the humans go down a path that God never intended for them. The text says that when they ate the fruit of the forbidden tree, they saw clearly and knew that they were naked. And in that moment, they felt shame. They felt bad about who they were. So they sewed fig leaves together, choosing to cover who God had created them to be. In allowing the words of the snake to manipulate them, they made the decision to stop listening to the voice of God, the one who was closer to them than their very breath. And from that time on, they were no longer content to listen for and obey only God's voice. And that continues to be the crux of the matter for us, too, doesn't it? Competing and compelling voices vie for our attention, our support, our loyalty, our obedience. Those voices have the power to manipulate and to confuse, to corrupt, and to lie to us. And when we listen to those voices, we become distracted from listening closely to God. And maybe it's because we have communication closeness bias in our relationship with God. We assume we know God so well that we stop our ears from truly hearing God's challenging and often surprising words to us. Often in making decisions, we believe that our agendas and God's are the same that we're operating from the same playbook. And so why go to the trouble of taking the time to be quiet and listen to what God has to say to us? We already know what God's going to say. When we don't listen to God, we easily drift into being people who give credence 
to the shouting voices around us. We become who others want us to be. We give up our true identity as God's beloved children, covering in shame who God called us to be in order to fit in with the powerful or the crowd or the status quo. And we won't find resolution to our deepest and most honest questions until we ask them of God. And then, listen. And Jesus shows us how to do that. He gets away from the hustle and the bustle, away from the crowds, away even from his family and friends, and walks with the Spirit into a time and place apart and alone from everything else. Because he spent time learning scripture, praying, and living out his calling, Jesus doesn't just listen to God. He also obeys. He knows who and whose he is. But discerning between God's voice and others isn't easy. It's not easy because the devil can quote scripture too. That other voice vying for Jesus' attention sounds reasonable and right and holy. We've heard those voices too. How easily God's words can be used to justify what is unjustifiable. How easily we claim our voices as God's when pushing our own agendas. In the story of Jesus' temptation, we are called to reckon with this fundamental question. Who will we listen to? Danielle Schroyer writes that Jesus teaches us what we all need to know as we fumble toward wisdom east of Eden. When he refuses to turn bread into stone, it's because he knows his gifts and abilities are in service to something far greater than hunger. When he refuses to test God, it's because he already trusts God. And when he refuses the kind of loyalty that leads to worldly authority, it's because he knows power is meant for connection and not domination. Jesus knows all of this because he has been listening. Day after day, he dwells with his divine parent. He embodies the teachings he has received in the temple, on his mother's lap, in his father's shop. Jesus shows us what it looks like to walk in wisdom, to become adept at parsing out the many voices that call for our allegiance. If we are to be like Jesus, we also must begin by first listening to the voice of God at our center. This voice tells us above all and after it all that we are God's beloved. When we know this, we filter out so much of the silt and grit that traps us. We release ourselves into the arms of love. We make space for the work of transformation to be born within us. So this season of Lent invites us to practice listening to God. How do we practice? Well, just like we do in any other meaningful and close relationship. We want to listen, we just sometimes don't know how. The British anthropologist and evolutionary psychologist Robin Dunbar said the primary way to maintain close relationships is through everyday talk. That means asking, how are you? And then actually listening to the answer. 
listening will mean putting aside all the distractions. Phones, laptops, iPads, books, newspapers, TVs. It means going alone into the wilderness of our hearts, listening attentively to what God might say to us there. It means building consistent everyday talk time with God, learning how to discern God's voice from others. It means reading scripture, learning about all the ways God speaks to us. It means trusting that God does indeed speak to us. See, in listening, we uncover who we really are. We discover there that we remain God's beloved children. The late Henri Nouwen wrote that the obedient life develops our abilities to hear and sense God's presence and activities. The word obedience in Latin includes the word adire, which means listening. The obedient life is one in which we listen with great attention to God's spirit within and among us. The great news of God's revelation is not simply that God exists, but also that God is actively present. To be obedient means to be constantly attentive to this active presence and to allow God, who is only love, to be the source as well as the goal of all we think, say, and do. So this Lenten season, I hope you'll find time and space to listen for God amid all the other voices in this world, to ask questions, to engage in spiritual practices that heighten your willingness to listen for what God is saying to you. This is a place to explore it all, to find the quiet you need, to listen to the voice of God, inviting you to draw closer as a beloved child. All thanks be to God. Amen.